Hopefully you'll be pleased with what we have on offer this week. Or, or should that be peased? From the first pea going into the harvester to the last pea coming out of the freezer uh, is under time constraint. Yeah, sorry for the bad pun. We're in the factory finding out how the peas get from field to fork in a matter of minutes. Plus this week we go off grid with the team at JRH Water. Now suddenly the bills are going up. The water company is saying don't use it. The water is extremely hard. You know, it's just not good for purpose anymore. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. A couple of weeks ago on the programme, I visited the team at Fen Peas in a rather muddy field, watching the pea viners in action with the harvest well underway. You might remember Stephen Francis explained how the heat wave in early June had pushed up soil temperatures, meaning the peas were arriving at the factory quite warm. Yeah, one of the pods we were getting comments from the factory, which is fair enough, that the peas had been delivered at a very high temperature, so we took a pod which you could nearly tie a knot in, it was that leathery, put a temperature probe in it and it read 35 degrees, which yeah, it's what it was and that's it. Stephen Francis from a couple of weeks ago, so we've seen what happens out in the field, you might indeed be on the pea viner right now, or certainly seen them in the field as you drive by. So what happens once the trailer's full and it heads for the factory? On Thursday, I went to Greenyard Frozen Foods in Boston to find out, with Greenyard's agricultural manager, Stuart Ashton. From the first pea going into the harvester to the last pea coming out of the freezer uh, is under time constraint. Uh, 50% of our business is done on 150-minute timings. Uh, so once it gets into the factory, it has a tenderometer reading done on it uh, to assess the sweetness of the of the pea. Uh, it then goes through three stages of washing, which are mechanical, um, water and air. Um, so in the mechanical bit, you're taking out the bigger pieces of pod. In the water, you're taking out the smaller pieces of pod and anything out of the uh, plant that's left in there. Um, stone removal comes out there as well. And then through air, you have uh, the product going into flight, a big blast of air coming through, and it takes out all the smaller pieces. From there, it goes to a blancher, uh, where we, we gently blanch and cool. We then um, freeze the product in about from plus 15 to minus 18 degrees C in about um, six to seven minutes. Um, and uh, from there they go through the last line of defence which is a colour sorter Uh, the colour sorter um, has the peas in flight has big cameras and lights either side of that flight and the camera will pick up any defect that's left in the pea tell a central processing unit to blow that one out and a little blast of air blows it out that's the last line of defence before the pallet goes into the cold store is filled and goes into the cold store Each pallet has a quality assurance check done on it. Each pallet has a label on it, which has the load number that it was given when it first came into the factory. And from there, we can trace back every pallet that we've got into store, back to the field, and therefore back to seed. And it is, I mean, it's all about quality, isn't it? That's all the way through this. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, we're trying to get the best quality P done um, within 115 minutes in the right TR band to satisfy all the customers. And it is, I mean, it shouldn't be amazing, but I suppose from an outsized point of view, it is amazing what can come off the fields and how much you've got to take out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but none of that goes to waste, does it? Because you do, you know, the, the, the stones go, yeah. I think, to a local yeah. guy to put on his yeah, track do, and yeah. various things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. They, um, 
Um, the the stones will go onto uh, roadways. Um, the uh, all the trash that comes out will either go to um, a cattle feed or it'll go into one of the bio plants around the area. So uh, generating electricity and, and gas from that. And as I say, it is all about food safety. You've yeah. got very high. Um, yeah procedures in place yeah they've got to be um you know we're always looking um on a yearly basis at uh, the amount of um customer complaints we've got we've got to try and keep those customer complaints to a minimum uh that's the only way that we'll survive and uh, you know to to create or to make sure that we've got a quality product that's the best way that we're going to sell our business you know average harvest how many how many peas are you getting through on a daily basis we are freezing around 850 to 950 tonnes a day. That's amazing. And again, people don't realise the work that goes into it when no. they open the freezer, take some peas out, because it's such a versatile veg, you can put yeah. it in almost anything nowadays, yeah. Yeah. Um, that they don't realise all this work that's going on behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, it's not that this work actually starts, um, we will finish our uh, processing season around the middle of August. Um, we then start negotiating for next year's in October. And then growers can actually go out, if we tell them what we want, uh, they can go out and then select the land, uh, get it prepped so that it's ready for drilling at the end of February, beginning of March, and the whole process starts again. How does the weather affect you? I know we we were talking to Stephen Francis a couple of weeks ago when it was really heavy rain and and very muddy fields we were studying at the time when we got him on the programme. He was saying that, you know, some of the peas that were arriving here were were very warm uh, despite the rain because of the heat wave of early June. Yeah, um, soil temperatures uh, in that hot uh, time went up to about 32, 33 degrees. And um, we were probing uh, peas in the field, actually in the pod, at uh, about the same temperature. So as that, that, that temperature doesn't come out of the... Just because it goes cold, that temperature doesn't come out of the soil straight away. It takes a while to do that. So... You know, you can imagine putting water onto uh, something that's actually still quite warm. Mm. It'll come into the factory still quite warm, and uh, you know we've got to we've got to make sure that we get those peas through the factory as quick as possible to get that quality product that we want. And again, how would you say harvest is this year? I know it was a bit early because of the the, the temperatures earlier on in the year, but how how is it so far today? Very mixed. Um, we've gone through a period where field yields were very good uh, tonnages were very good um, we've got into a time where during the drilling periods in uh, April and May which were very very dry um, we had a lot of mixed emergence as those those crops came up because they were being drilled very deep um, that really hot temperature hit us uh, as some of the peas were in flower so they've they've kind of said, you know, we don't like this. <laughs> they, they haven't put a lot of pot on, so that's affected the field yield. So people have been getting across fields a lot quicker than they have done. Uh, and, of course, that affects what the factories do because we can't keep the factories full. Stuart Ashton of Greenyard Frozen Food showing me around the factory in Boston. We recorded the interview in one of the offices because in the main factory itself, well, this is what trying to do an interview inside sounds like.
<laughs> Couldn't hear a thing. Thank goodness for ear protectors. Right, on to Grain then, and it's Henry Young from Open Field this week. Two weeks in a row, Henry. I know. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, good. Had a good week with the peas? Yeah, it was good. Very cold. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm thawing out now, so that's all right. That's what we like to hear. Yeah, how about you? What's happening? No, it's been a good week. Um, obviously, driving in this morning, seeing quite a few combines out in the field. Um, good to see uh, a few people starting to have a bit of a bit of a nibble at bits and pieces and seems to be coming off quite well. Uh, having a look at these markets, wheat, uh, it's been another week driven by prices, spikes uh, on hot, hot and dry conditions in the US spring wheats, also on the Canadian prairies. As we often see with weather markets, any hint of better forecasts put those prices under pressure with a correction on the downside, which we have witnessed again this week. Um, it looks like the, the damage to the uh, US spring wheats uh, is irreparable uh, and now only time will tell exactly what extent of the damage has been done and what damage it has done to that quality as well. Uh, what is clear is it is a scramble for that high protein wheat. Again last week I spoke about that market being a 16% protein wheat. Very very high protein so if that quality is not there it is going to affect it. Uh, we are seeing some quality markets, including kind of Germany, the Baltic states and Austria, just trickling down on that back effect as well. Russian milling wheat prices are also on the rise as shippers are looking to get in those recent sales that they've made to Egypt, although cold and wet conditions uh, may have a bit of an impact on that quality. Rain is forecast in uh, Germany, France and the Baltics, and we have had a bit here this week as well. So also eyes are being a bit nervous about harvest with it rapidly approaching and of course with some of you having a go as well this week this is going to affect the the kind of uk prices as we have established but at the moment we are riding on parity of the tails of those us uh, markets which is noticeably with the uk futures they are discounted to the matif futures but do be aware they are different markets as well the uk market is a feed market whereas the matif market is a quality market so don't read too much into that and um, we did see a usda report out this week it was released on Wednesday at 5pm. The main highlights of this were that the US uh, was down almost 2 million tonnes on the lower hard wheat uh, areas. They were being pulled back. Australia is also down 1.5 million tonnes. But on the flip side, Russia has been put up 3 million tonnes. So it's a bit of give and take from one, one hand to the other. Uh, world production is significantly overstated. Um, this is based, based on current prices. World trade matrix well, at the moment, they don't seem to be really making much sense. Again, it depends where the crop's going to be and quite how much it's going to cost to ship it. So having a look at those prices, harvest is 140 to 143. November, 145 to 147. May, 151 to 153. And November 18, 142 to 145. Just having a quick look at that feed barley market. I know it's an interesting one at the moment with plenty of barley being cut now. Again, those it is looking better than last year. Uh, some of the samples that I have seen give me a bit more confidence, which which can only be a good thing. Those prices at the moment, harvest 113 to 115, November 123 to 125, May 129 to 131, and November 117 to 119. Malting barley. Some recent interest shown within the UK uh, malting barley market over the last week, just with those slight concerns over quality. Uh, results for both the uh, springs and winters in France are better than anticipated, especially with the springs. So let's see if that carries on over with us. Uh, close to home, we've seen a good number of those winter barley samples coming in, which have been good, although one or two have been a bit exceptional as well. FOB markets, that is the, the shipping markets, 
Uh, have seen some recent price drivers with domestic uh, participation still sitting at the, uh, out at the moment, whilst FOB values have declined since recent spikes in the weaker currency. So those premiums at the moment overfeed. Springs are getting anything between 25 to 30, depending on the location, and in the deferred positions for the winters, between 10 and 15. Uh, the oilseed rate market seems a bit under pressure, again, with people cutting. The soybeans are, are getting a bit of... Um, kind of rain without forecast across the midwest but we are seeing some dry conditions as well matifors he'd rate did close lower uh, during the week uh, that was just on the back of that usda report so those prices harvest 304 to 305 november 315 may 321 just a quick update on the bean market all uh, old crop beans are hard to place unless you hold them until august which may be a bit too long if you want to get that shed cleared out so the only option is to get them moved now uh, new crop values uh, rose uh, in the week on the back of the wheat futures, although they did retract later on in the week as the wheat values did. Uh, so little trade with compounders absent from the market. Harvest is currently worth between 160 to 163 with a pound a month carry. In human consumptions, you're getting about a £15 premium. Thank you. Henry Young from Openfield. Off-grid is one of the buzzwords at the moment in agriculture. And of course, managing our water is ever more important as well. Certainly, it felt like it during uh, June's mini heatwave, didn't it? Uh, Michael Jordan is from JRH Water Management. And uh, as I said, water management is ever more important now, isn't it, Michael? Oh, definitely now, yes. Yeah, with, um, with the fact that there's been a lot of talk in the media about water, um, especially about rain, about use, um, now that water's gone open market that's uh, opened up people's eyes to the fact that you don't just turn a tap on to get water you actually have to pay for it as well um it's just really sort of drawn into the forefront of people's minds at the moment definitely talk us through some of what you've got on display here then the 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 off-grid uh idea here what's that about yeah well we got an off-grid um pump it runs um on one solar panel um and what this will do it will pump 1.5 kilometers at 30 meters of head Um, We've got different variants of it. One's designed just for troughs, right through to ones um, doing bulk pumping through the day. Um, And all these literally do is you put them near your water source, whether it be a stream, pond, river, wherever you've got water. You put the suction hose in, it comes completely made up. All you have to do is then just put the connectors on and turn the solar on. And the solar charges the battery and the battery runs the pump. And as there's a call for water, it will pump it. And it will pump in excess of 20 cube a day. I say it's becoming ever more vital, isn't it, really? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think with the advent of mains water, farms forgot that they've got natural water. Um, If you look at a lot of farms, they have grown up round a spring, a well of some description. Um, Usually they get covered over, forgotten about, because mains water came on. Now suddenly the bills are going up. The water company is saying don't use it. The water is extremely hard. Um, you know, it's just not good for purpose anymore. And uh, people want to save a bit of money. So open up the old well, use your river, use your stream and get some free water. Yeah, and as you say, with the solar panel as well, it's so much, I guess, energy efficient. It's efficient overall, is it? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, the battery that we've got in there, without char- if you've charged it fully, it will run for five days on average pumping. Um, and like I said, because the solar is only charging a battery, it makes it highly efficient. It's not actually running the pump. And that's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's all about efficiency. Um, well, we know that on farming generally. Yeah. If we can save money, then we save money. But uh, by... 
harvesting water in the way that you can with the t- technology nowadays and with the products you've got, I mean, that, that makes that efficiency even better, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, some of the concepts and solutions we've got is whole farm collection. So it is the water runoff. We will um, collect it, treat it, pump it, store it, and that will give you potable water at the end if you so wish or whatever you, quality of water you need to use it for. Um, and once you've got that system in, you've got a sustainable source of water now. Um, and what we're looking at doing is getting farms off main so they become self-sufficient and ideally if they've got excess water, sell it on to someone else, make a bit more money. <laughs> I can hear eyes lighting. If you can see them, I can see light eyes lighting up certainly from, yeah. from that idea because uh, you know it's, it is that sustainability as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, with the way water's going, with the way water companies are being, and farms always take the brunt of it, um, which is wrong, um, considering what they do for the country. Um, but they're the first ones that get hit. Um, so, you know, giving them that sustainability and giving them that, I suppose it's that, let's use the buzzword, the off-grid farm. That is the ideal thing. Be self-sufficient, make more profit, make your business a business again. And how is business generally for JRH? Very, very good at the yeah. moment. Obviously, with the off-grid pumping options and the, the things like that, we're actually in talks with DEFRA at the moment. They're interested in the whole sort of whole farm collection. Um, yeah, it's, it's onwards and upwards. Michael Jordan there from JRH Water Management. Rainwater is free, so uh, anything you can do to manage it, rather than just letting it flow away, must be of benefit. Someone who uh, often has to watch that rain fall is our agronomist, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. You can't help agreeing with that, actually, can you? We have, if you only think back a few weeks, we had sort of four inches of rain in 24, 36 hours in some places. And with farm buildings, all that roof area, we could have downpipes, storage tanks all over the place. And we could collect water, and perhaps we should be doing in the future. But that's obviously something we all need to think about. Um... It's going to be quite short and sweet, I think, this week because we're pushing towards the run-up to harvest. Let's just start with uh, winter barley. I hear there are several people out there who've got the combines rolling. From what I'm hearing on some of the high video varieties, the bushel weights are quite respectable, up in the high 60s, 68, 69 um, bushels coming in, which is very good for barley uh, at any time of year, but I think I would take that this year. Um, and so... People are out there combining. All seed rape, there has been a little combine. I've had some done on uh, a couple of my farms, but not enough to really know how these fields are yielding. All that my growers are saying is that uh, it doesn't seem to be taking long to fill up the trailers. It looks a good sample. So that's encouraging, um, particularly when you consider these will be the early fields. These are the ones which are ready first. And historically, the ones that come a little later tend to be slightly better. They are all over the place. It's been quite a difficult season timing the pre-harvest um, spraying off because they're they're green and they're they're brown and the seeds are ready and the seeds are not ready and that's a testament to the season really when you get a drought followed by rain you get this situation where the crop has already finished flowering and then you get some rain and nitrogen uptake and it thinks well I think I can chuck a few more flowers out so they kept flowering so it's in the lap of the gods a little bit I'm quite bullish there are several varieties out there that look quite respectable actually flamingo elgar uh, picto looks quite good in a lot of cases um, mo- many of the ex varieties exalt x power still look really good out there in the field so the problem with all seed rape is now and has always been that the best looking ones yield worse and the worst looking ones yield best so we've done all we can you can't 
go back. Whatever's been done has been done, and we can only go forward and hope that harvest is a good one. Winter wheat, late septoria moving in. There's nothing you can do about it. The ear disease is relatively widespread. It's worse in the later uh, varieties, the later drillings, if you like. But as I said before, just because you've got ear disease, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got mycotoxins, um, because a lot of it could easily be uh, microdochium, which doesn't really affect the yield and it doesn't really affect the quality. So again, all we can do is keep our fingers crossed. Sugar beet, again, very little in the way of disease out there at the moment. In fact, nothing that I can find anywhere. And again, very little in the way of black aphids, silver wine moth, or any other pests. So keep your eye on it and keep monitoring it. But you are still way too early to be thinking about putting a fungicide specifically for rust and mildew onto sugar beet at the moment. Peas, they're moving very, very quickly indeed now. Much of these last fields of oilseed rape that we were umming and ahhing about whether we should be desiccating them yet or spraying them off yet um, a week ago, all of a sudden you get wet weather followed by hot weather. They turn incredibly quickly. And as I've said before, don't just look at a field. Pull those middle pods open and see if you can see the seeds turning um, black from brown so if there are all brown seeds and the odd one black in those middle pods your time is upon you and you really should be getting on with that job similarly with peas um, when the peas in the top pods are rubbery but will split if you squeeze them the middle pods are looking more parchment like and papery and the peas are very very rubbery and very very difficult to split and the peas in the bottom pods which are very very thin and papery are hard then that is the right time to go out there and put your uh, pre-harvest controls on remember 45 percent moisture or less if you're going with diquat similarly with uh, glyphosate but just watch those harvest intervals and make sure you're right and some of these fields of peas because of the weather pattern we've had over this summer have only had one fungicide application once you get to the point where the peas are starting to ripen and the crops are starting to senesce remember for example with azoxystrobin you have a 35 day harvest interval you're going to run out of time so you're probably best to let nature take its course and move on the good news is i haven't seen an awful lot of pea moth and i haven't seen an awful lot of brookid beetle in the spring beans now spring beans keep your eye on those because the downy mildew threat has not gone away the rust and the chocolate spot hasn't gone away but once all the pods are set um, if you do get a hit of chocolate spot or rust late season it'll help you desiccate the crop so speak to your advisor make sure that you're all on the same page make sure you're not missing a trick but similarly don't spend money that you don't need to spend potato blight as we say every week just keep that interval to seven days because the weather is perfect for the proliferation of potato blight don't spend money you don't need to spend wise words as ever from sean sparling Here's the latest livestock prices from Thursday's market at Louth, which uh, reported a good trade in the prime ring this week, an average of 205.91 pence per kilo, with a young bull average of 208.98 pence. The top price steer per kilo sold for 218.5 pence, overage averaged 143 pence, and sheep, 256 prime lambs sold, average price of 205.57 pence. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Today, patchy cloud, possibility of some uh, late afternoon, evening sunshine, highs of 21 Celsius, the wind from the west 10 to 15 miles an hour. Overnight tonight, that wind blowing from the northwest, 10, perhaps gusting at 20, 25 miles an hour for a time. Patchy cloud again overnight, 9 Celsius the low. And then some early sunshine for tomorrow, but it will cloud over later. We're looking at highs of 22 Celsius and the wind from the west at 5 miles an hour. 
Staying cloudy overnight, Monday into Tuesday. Muggy, 13, 14, maybe 15 the low. The wind, more from the southeast actually for a time, 10 to 15 miles an hour, then from the east-southeast at about 5 miles an hour. And then it's an easterly wind through Tuesday at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Some sunshine, but again, patchy cloud. Highs of 21 Celsius. Clear skies at first overnight on Tuesday, but then some rain first thing on Wednesday morning. Could be heavy where that rain falls. Muggy as well. We're looking at lows of 15 Celsius. The wind from the east, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour when that rain does come in. And then through Wednesday, a few showers. Hopefully should be dry later. 22 the high. The wind from the south, 20 to 25 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, the possibility of some heavy rain in places, but uh, mostly uh, dry with uh, patchy cloud. We're looking at highs around 20 Celsius, overnight lows of a little cooler, 12 Celsius. And that's the forecast. Next week, as the NFU prepares its rural crime manifesto, we've a special report with the police and the farmers and the new technology aiming to fight everything from hair coursing to break-ins to Land Rover thefts on our farms. Rural crime is sort of the number one issue. So Brexit is, is hugely important, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of concern. But rural crime is what really does have farmers... I think the whole of the public very, very concerned. So we're a few miles out from the farm in the fields. Uh, we've got a smashed metal gate here. Uh, what's happened here? Uh, this is an example of where courses were pursued by ourselves and in an effort to escape have just barrelled straight through this metal gate destroying it and ripping the post foundations out of the ground. We have today a demonstration of the new drone capability that we're introducing, which will give better evidence, better video and still photography uh, of people who are involved in criminal activity um, so that we can prosecute in a more effective way. That's all on next week's programme. Until then, have a good, hopefully crime-free, week's farming.